0: mm and welcome to Mythaladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. Lizzie, how's it going today?
1: I'm fine. I'm preparing for the new semester, and I'm excited for today's episode, so.
0: Awesome, yeah. I'm very excited for it, too. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little stressed because I'm working on quitting my job, but by the time this episode airs, hopefully, I will have done that and will have been successful, so we're excited for that. Something to look forward to. Yeah, alrighty. So Lizzie, today you did the research, so who are we going to be talking about? Today, we're going to talk about Brigid, the Irish goddess.
1: Ooh, yay, okay. So she was a goddess of pre-Christian Ireland, who was also syncretized with the Christian saint of the same name, becoming Saint Brigid of Kildare.
0: Oh, cool.
1: So in today's episode, we're going to talk about history, Christian syncretism, uh, the transformative power of women's grief, and there might Mm. be some LGBT themes. Ooh, cool. Yeah, so let's start with some etymology. So, Bridget means high one or exalted one, stemming from the Proto-Celtic word Briganti. Mm. The name can be anglicized in a variety of ways, and there have also been some spelling changes from Old Irish to Modern Irish, which also includes the Modern Irish spelling B-R-I-D, which is pronounced breed.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Oh, did you actually, have you heard of Bridget before?
0: Yes, I have. I don't know much about her, but I know that um, St. Bridget is a very important saint in Ireland. And Mm -hmm. I know that she's an important, like, mythological figure. So I'm excited to learn more. Great. So um,
1: her name is the origin of the name Bridget, which also includes the French Brigitte, Swedish Birgitta, Italian Brigida, and Finnish Pirita, as well as similar names in a host of other European languages.
0: Interesting. And is that... Is she like the origin then, do we think?
1: Yeah. Yes, I, I do believe she was the origin. That's really
0: interesting that she's the origin. Yeah. That's super cool. I also
1: read that her name is the origin of the English word bride, mm. but I checked on the Oxford English Dictionary, which is the most thorough source of etymology in the English language, and found that the word bride came to English through Old English, originally from a Germanic root, not a Celtic root, so I don't think that's true.
0: Okay. Well, oh well. However,
1: I did find there was a prison called Bridewell in London, which was formerly the Palace of Henry VIII, mm. and its name actually does refer to a holy well dedicated to St. Bride, which is another name for St. Bridget of Kildare. Really? Yeah, so the word Bridewell came into English from the name of the prison and was a common word for prison in general, which also gave us the term Bridewell Bird, which meant prisoner, and the noun Bridewelling, which meant imprisonment.
0: Hmm. All righty. So
1: even though Rai doesn't come from Bridget, there is still an English word that does come from her name, even though it's obsolete. Yeah. And kind of grim.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that that's the origin. Yeah. So Bridget was often described as three
1: goddesses or sisters all called Bridget. Hmm. This may mean that she was a triple goddess or else one goddess with three main aspects or spheres.
0: Okay. Wait, so what's the difference then between that and a triple goddess? Well... Oh, are, were you just defining it? No, no, no. She either was a triple goddess or
1: she was one goddess with, like, domains that were, like, separated. Okay. What's the difference? I don't know, but anyway. Okay,
0: yeah, no, I think I understand now. I, I think I understand it better now. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so these three... Okay, oh, like sometimes she was seen as, like, three actual, like, separate people, all named Brigid, and mm-hmm. sometimes she's one Brigid with three aspects
0: Yeah, okay, that makes a lot more- that makes a lot of sense, thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so these three bridges all had their own sphere of influence. One was learning poetry and protection, one was healing, and one was metalworking.
0: Awesome. Those are all great skills.
1: For sure. In the Celtic world, three was considered to be a sacred number, and triple deities were not uncommon. -hmm. Um, Her mother was also considered to be a triple deity, but I'll get to her a little later. Mm. But first, some background about pre Christian Ireland. So, there were Druids who came to Ireland from Britain, bringing with them beliefs of a goddess called Brigantia, which was the Latin form of the British name Briganti, meaning high one. Okay. Even under Roman rule, the goddess Brigantia was still worshipped, and the Romans even equated her to their own goddess Minerva. So, when British Druids came to Ireland with the belief of this goddess, Female Druidesses, who, side note, were seen as equal and sometimes even more important than male Druids, would have wanted to merge the belief of their high goddess with the Irish equivalent, who at this time was Anu or Danu, a fertility goddess. Uh-huh. So, the British Druids, instead of modifying Anu, conceived of a new goddess, influenced by their own Brigantia. They were able to sort of invent a new deity, because Celts didn't view their deities as their creators, but rather their ancestors. So it wouldn't have been hard to discover a new ancestor, especially since the Druidesses had a lot of influence with the tribal leaders.
0: Okay, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's pretty rare to know the exact origins of a goddess. Uh This new goddess was called Brigid. She had a little bit in common with the goddess Brigantia, but she had even more qualities taken from two existing Irish deities, the Dagda and the Moriaven, who together Mm. combined many of the most important attributes to the Druids. Have you heard of the Moravian?
0: Is that like the Morrigan? Yes. Okay, then yes, I have. I've heard of the. I've heard of her.
1: Yeah. However, both the Dagda and the Moravian were associated with war, which Bridget notably is not. Mm-hmm. This is because war wasn't really an acceptable association for a goddess. That was a patron deity of the Druids, who generally had a more peaceful role and didn't fight in battles. Okay. Yeah. From the Dagda, Bridget had the attributes of magic, healing, knowledge. Producing an abundance of food, control of the weather and environment, and also association with fire. Mm. From the Moriaven, Bridget had the attributes of fertility, fertiling the future, animal husbandry, protection of her people, and also association with fire.
0: Okay, Yeah. She's got a lot of different things going on. She's kind of mm-hmm. a really all-encompassing goddess of their lo- the lives that they must have been living. She
1: really has a lot of domains. So since Bridget got her main attributes from these two deities, they were also suitable parents for her, which made her acceptable to the Irish people. So they were then Bridget's parents. Mm-hmm. It's also notable that Bridget was also associated with fertility and particularly livestock, something that would give this new goddess widespread appeal to the common people. So overall, this sort of designed her in a way to appeal to the Irish people, who then accepted her. Hmm. So even though she was thought up in relation to Brigantia, she is primarily a new goddess, being conceived between 71 and 74 CE by the Druids.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, yes. That very recent modern time of 71 CE. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. So stories about this new goddess would have been told orally, in accordance with tradition, so mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have all these stories preserved in their original forms However, we do have stories about St. Bridget of Kildare That were noted down by a monk from the 7th to the 10th century Which give us some indication of the stories that were told about her Oh, There are some things we know about Bridget for sure So like some of her attributes are She was a goddess of learning mm. She is sometimes credited with the invention of the Oum alphabet Which was an early medieval alphabet used for writing ancient forms of
0: Irish Wow, no wonder the monks liked her so much
1: Exactly. I think it's really interesting when gods invent the alphabet.
0: Yeah, I think that's so cool because it just shows, like, how powerful the written word is. For sure. And how powerful that, like, you know, it's considered to be because it's really changes everything. Yeah, definitely. It makes it feel, like, very holy, you know? Yeah, definitely. And especially because, like, in that time, like, monks were, like, some of the few people who could actually write.
1: Exactly. So she was also a goddess of poetry, Poetry was vitally important in the Celtic world and was used to record important events, to praise their chieftains and brave warriors, as well as to denigrate their enemies. Mmm, fun. Very. So she was also a goddess of healing which was traditionally the domain of women in many societies, including the Celts. Mm -hmm. Metalworking was also associated with Brigid, which metalworking was also vitally important in Ireland, and blacksmiths were seen as almost like magicians with the power to turn ore into weapons and other useful items.
0: I mean, that's how I view blacksmiths, personally. Exactly. (laughs) Because (laughs) that stuff's crazy. Yeah, yeah, literally, especially, like, back in the day, like... Yeah. Absolutely crazy. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. And blacksmiths were also seen to be able to heal people as well. Really? Yes. That's very They were considered very magical. This association is related to her association with fire, both in a literal sense, Mm. because blacksmiths obviously used fire, but also in a domestic sense, as she was associated with the hearth, as well as possibly the sun. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's, like, disputed, I believe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Her status as a goddess of fertility is debated but the main evidence is her association with livestock and crops, which was almost certainly one of her main roles. Mm-hmm. She was associated with some specific animals that she kept, namely two sheep called Fe and Men, who a field in County Kildare called Mag Femin was named after, as well as Torque the king of boars, who appeared in Arthurian legend. So yeah, animal wow. association.
0: Yeah, love that.
1: Very fun. She's also associated with magic, though possibly not directly. No stories involving Bridget and magic actually survive, but there are miracles associated with St. Bridget, which were probably folktales about the goddess given a Christian twist. Mm. So it's highly likely that these stories show the sort of magical acts she was associated with.
0: Ah, oh, yeah. That's cool.
1: Mm-hmm. So I mentioned before that Bridget was a later addition to Irish mythology. However, that doesn't mean that she doesn't have a place in Irish creation stories. Mm. She's credited as being one of the Tuatha Dé Danannes, who were a supernatural race in Irish mythology whose name means the folk of the god whose mother is Dana.
0: Mm, okay.
1: The Tuatha Dé Danann represented civilization, while the Fomorians, who were their enemies, represented the perils of life, such as famine, bad weather, and dangerous animals. Hmm. So in this creation myth, Brigid came to Ireland with the Dagda and the other Tuatha Dé Danann and helped create civilization. She gave the people tools of civilization, such as the Forge, so that they could live a prosperous life, And also, she taught them respect for the original source of life. In some mythological pantheons, the gods are constantly in conflict with each other, but not in this case. Brigid, as a goddess Mm. of harmony, sets an example for how all of the Tua de can live together in peace.
0: Wow, that's really nice. Yes,
1: they're more like united than some pantheons.
0: Yeah, like they're all, they have like a shared mother and everything. Yeah, exactly. At one point, there was a
1: king called Nuida, the king with the silver hand who was unfit to rule the throne of the Tuare Danan because his hand was missing. Meaning that he was huh, okay. and therefore unfit to rule.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Alright, well. So, <laughs> this was ancient times, I guess.
0: Anyway. Yeah, well, what happened to him? What did happen to him? Do you know? Oh, oh I thought you were going to continue telling the story.
1: No! I mean, I am going to tell you the story, but that's not part
0: of the... That's his background. Oh. Oh, okay. I thought you knew. Well, then anyway. continue. No, continue <laughs> telling the story, please. <laughs> so, the Tuatha De Danans summoned
1: a king of the Fomorians called Bres to be the king. His leadership solidified a bond between the Tuatha De Danans and the Fomorians, thus representing an end to their feud. Huh. To solidify this, Bridget agreed to marry Bress, and together they had three sons. Mm. So Bress was a good leader at first, and people were happy, but that didn't last. Mm. He claimed all milk from all cattle, all grain from each field, and all sparks from each fire. Wow. And the two of the were forced to work in the fields, and the people starved. Wow. Yeah, so he was a terrible ruler. Apparently. And Bridget kept her silence so as not to tempt her husband's anger. So she would brew beer, sing songs, and tell stories to brass until he fell asleep. And then she would gather cheese and bread in her cloak and share the food with the people.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: According to one source. So after a while... With the strength from the food that Brigid brought them, the two de Danan began to plan an attack. Mm. Basically, they repaired Nuida's hand and accepted him as their king again. Okay. Together, they overthrew Bress. I don't know why they didn't do it before, though. Like, if they had the power to heal his hand, but...
0: Yeah, anyways. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Together, they overthrew Bress, and he fled back into the sea, taking Brigid's three sons with him. Oh, no. So, Bress counterattacked, but the two de Danan were stronger. So he sent his and Bridget's eldest son, Ruidan, up to the shore to collect the Tuatha Dé Donan's secrets. He dressed Ruidan up as a Tuatha warrior. He watched the smith, the carpenter, and the bronze worker of the Tuatha Dé work and took his observations back to his father. Hmm. Brass instructed Ruidan to kill the smith. So Ruidan asked him for a javelin, which he gave to him. So Ruidan threw the spear through his chest, but the smith just plucked the javelin from his chest as though it was nothing and threw it back at Ruidan, who was killed.
0: Oh, well, awesome. But also sad because he died, but also awesome that he just plucked it out. Yeah, that's pretty cool, honestly. Like, Like that's a sick trick. yeah.
1: (laughs) Very, very cool. Very powerful. Yeah. Love that imagery. So, as her son lay dying on the shoreline, Bridget mourned and her
0: cries pierced the sky.
1: This weeping came to be known as Keening, and it's
0: credited as Bridget's
1: invention. You've heard of Keening, then?
0: Oh, yes, I've heard of Keening. I'm sure I've heard of Keening. Okay. (laughs) And it's one of
1: the things she's most famous for. This was the first time that sorrow was known in Ireland, and henceforth, Irish women would keen for their dead loved ones.
0: Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome! It's such a powerful tradition of mourning. Yeah, for sure. Like literally just expressing. Yeah, I'll talk about that a little
1: bit later. But
0: oh, okay. Yes. Also, I have to say that the story sounds very is very interesting in the context of the colonization of Ireland, in that the Tuatha Dé allow an outsider to be the leader. But then the leader turns out to be cruel and oppressive and take all the goods away from them and starve the people, and then they rise up and overthrow him.
1: Interesting. Oh, I didn't think about that.
0: So to me, that sounds like a very much like a nationalist story about um, resisting like colonial oppression, possibly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I see that. hmm
0: So that's my thoughts on that. Speaking of. Okay.
1: Christianity officially came to Ireland in the 5th century CE with the arrival of Christian missionaries, but it didn't take hold until St. Patrick returned in about 450 CE. Mm-hmm. It was around this time that the attributes of the goddess Brigid began to be transferred onto St. Brigid of Kildare. Mm. So the Christians didn't try to suppress pagan beliefs, but rather they adapted pagan festivals as part of an ultimate end goal to Christianize them. It's kind of a
0: milder way of, you know, destroying culture. Yeah.
1: yeah, (laughs) Rather than forceful, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But in addition to that, a lot of early Celtic saints were either real people who had founded churches or monasteries or replacements for ancient deities or heroes. So one of the reasons that Christianity was able to spread so easily throughout Ireland was because of the Druids. Druids and the early Christians were similar in many ways, including that they both baptized babies after their name was given. Both brought about cures using magic or miracles, and both were intercessors between mankind and the god or gods.
0: That's really interesting.
1: In addition to that, triple deities were commonly found in Celtic lore, so it was not a stretch for them to grasp the concept of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to see why the Druids would have had an easy time converting, and many of them entered the Christian church as priests. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That makes sense. That totally makes sense. And
1: so, remember how I mentioned how before, Druidesses were very important to early worship of Brigid? Mm-hmm. Christianization of these Druids would have spread to the Druidesses who tended to Brigid's temple. So, of course, they would have wanted to keep celebrating their goddess even through their conversion to Christianity. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, many of Bridget's attributes were found in the New and Old Testaments of the Bible. There were things such as um, the power of healing, the attributes of wisdom and knowledge, and the connection with fertility and agriculture. Thus, tales of Bridget were retained, but just Christianized. Mm-hmm. There was a woman who had been a former chief druidess who was now abbess of Kildare, and the tales of the goddess Bridget came to be associated with this woman following her death. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Bridget was syncretized and became Saint Bridget of Kildare.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
1: For early Irish Christians, moral purity was not as important as the ability to perform miracles. And although there are early stories of St. Brigid that mention things like such as her chastity and goodness, there's even more about her connection with wisdom, prosperity, healing, and cattle, all things associated with the goddess Brigid. Uh. There are many stories about her performing miracles that were added to her repertoire, and the veneration of St. Brigid became widespread across Ireland, Britain, and the rest of Europe. So, I mentioned that the real St. Brigid of Kildare was a chief druidess, who then became the abbess of Kildare. After this woman's death... Her successor was a woman named Darludacha or Darludach. Mm. Her name meant the daughter of Lu, which was the name of a Celtic god, plus the personal name Dacha, meaning dark one, mm. which was probably a reference to her hair color. Okay. Darludacha had been a friend to St. Brigid, and supposedly the two shared a bed each night.
0: Wow. Isn't that exciting? It is for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, under Ludecha, it was Bridget's Anamkara, or soul friend, mm. coming from the Irish Anamkara. Wow, that's really sweet. Reportedly, the real Saint Bridget died on February 1st of the year 525 CE, and Arludesha died exactly one year later, on February 1st, 526 CE. Wow.
0: That's very... I mean, it's sad. I mean, it's like romantic, but it's also sad. It's like sad romantic. <laughs> it's both.
1: Yeah. Anyway, another <laughs> story says that Bridget caught Arludesha staring at a passing warrior and became jealous. And as hmm. punishment, she made a walk in shoes packed with red-hot coal.
0: Okay, well, that's not very nice. Not really. But this story is further proof that they were most likely lovers. I mean, yes, but still, that's not very
1: nice. There's, like, some variations on this story. Like, in some, she did it to herself, but Bridget was still jealous and everything. But anyway. Right. They shared a bed. They were Anamkara, you know?
0: Yeah, well, they were definitely in love. Anyway, so...
1: Bridget and Darludica's story is actually celebrated by LGBT Christians, such as um, Dignity and Worth, who are a group of British Methodists who celebrated Bridget and Darludica for LGBT History Month in 2019. Cool. And the website Q Spirit, who include Bridget and Darludica in their litany of queer saints. Awesome. Yeah. Very. I think that's really, really nice. Yeah. I just I just think it's really beautiful. Like, I'm not Christian, but just in general, it makes me really emotional to see LGBT acceptance in broad religions. Um, Definitely. And I just think it's so beautiful that they were considered to be soulmates. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a quote from a very old Christian work called The Martyrology of Angus that has St. Brigid saying, Anyone without a soul friend is a body without a head, which is very beautiful.
0: Yeah. Also, I want to find more about that litany of queer saints because I want to know what other saints oh, are Oh, yeah. It's on their website. You should look it up. Yeah, I'll look it up when we're done. That's really cool. And it's really significant because she's such a she's such a powerful—she's so important. She definitely is like she's like one of the patron saints of ireland and like Mm -hmm. and one of the the most well-known
1: saints yeah exactly
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and so and then the fact that she was was almost definitely gay is like like that's so cool
1: Exactly. It's so exciting. Yeah. And I feel like it would be like of some comfort to LGBT Christians, mm-hmm. knowing that she is venerated and she was gay, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you know what she's the patron saint of? Do you Are you, are you going, getting to that?
1: I believe she was a patron saint of Spring and also of Ireland itself. Mm-hmm. And some other things that I forget. But yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So St. Bridget's feast day is on February 1st, which is also the same day as Imbolc, which was the goddess Brigid's holiday, that marked the beginning of the Irish year. Oh, and if you remember from like a minute ago, it was also the day that both Saint Bridget and Roodruche
0: died. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, feast days are normally the day they died, but it's also very interesting that she died on the the celebration day. Exactly, like there really is that connection between the mm-hmm. the, the figures.
1: Exactly. And I mean, like, because Bridget was sort of like, they transferred her attributes, which is why like, the like, supposed biography of Saint Bridget was like, I mean, some of it, they're not really sure how much of it is actually like factual how how it was just like connecting her to a saint or whatever. But um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, I love that. Yeah. And also the fact that she was a druidist priest before mm-hmm. she converted to Christianity, I think is just so emblematic of the like the figure of Bridget in like the culture, because uh, in her transference from uh, pagan worship to the Christian worship as mm-hmm. a saint, like from a pre-Christian goddess to a Christian saint through the form of someone who is who was once a druid and then became Christian. Exactly. Yeah, and help sort of like bring that spirit along. Mm-hmm. So, what are your overall thoughts on Bridget? Well, yeah. So, like, I mean, those were my main thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's like I was always. I think she's really cool. I think like I think that the fact that she's the patron, or she was like one of her domains was blacksmithing, is super cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that she really did her domains really represented basically all the necessary aspects of life for like ancient mm-hmm. Ireland. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why she's such an important figure mm-hmm. for them, because she just, you know, oversaw what they needed to live.
1: Exactly, yeah. She provided for them. She gave him the keys of life.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so I think, and then I think the way that she, you know, not only, like, survived the imposition of Christianity on Ireland and the conversion of Ireland to Christianity, which, like, as we said in a previous episode often, sort of ends up burying or erasing pre-Christian gods and religions. Exactly, but in fact it ampli- like it continued her worship and in fact even amplified her and gave her new like a new form and i figured that could carry her on into a new Exactly.
1: like i mean i feel like the christian missionaries and everyone tried to sort of suppress mm-hmm. you know pagan beliefs like they tried to slowly cut it out of their lives
0: mm-hmm. yeah but
1: but then there's like the fact that we only know about bridget the goddess because of saint bridget
0: so Yeah, and so it really allowed, she was still able to continue and remain a really important figure. And like I said, she is quite important and she's like one of the main Irish saints besides like obviously St. Patrick. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really cool. And that sort of way, it kind of reminds me of like the uh, figures, the Aresulis that we've talked about Mm -hmm. who have their Christian counterparts to like the imposition of Christianity, but also exist in their own non-Christian ways in their own right. And, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't really have a like an end to that thought, I just am thinking about like the comparing them.
1: No, yeah, it's like they transform them into these figures that are important beyond their association with Christianity. If that, mm-hmm. like, Bridget is influential. Like, she was influential before yeah. she was Saint Bridget and she's influential after.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, she's influential as a saint, but she's also influential for reasons other than her being a saint. Um, I was thinking, though, that, like, you s- said that we only know about the goddess Bridget because of the Saint Bridget, but I also think we only have the saint, we might have the Saint Bridget because of the goddess Bridget, because, like...
1: No, yeah, exactly.
0: She probably, like, St. Brigid might have still become a saint even without the goddess in her own right, but also would she have the same level of influence and importance without, like, the... I mean, she
1: probably wouldn't have all these miracles associated with her that she was associated yeah. with because of Brigid, which made her into yeah. a saint.
0: Exactly, so they're connected in that way.
1: Exactly, like, without pagan, girly beliefs, there wouldn't be St. Brigid, who's influential in modern day, mm-hmm. or probably many other saints as well. Mm-hmm. So... Something I really love about Bridget is that as I was doing research, I felt like I was getting into this whole, like, saga. Like, she went from a Britannic goddess to an Irish goddess to the center of Keening to a Catholic saint. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so interesting how much history there is regarding her. And it's also really fascinating the way you can trace her worship all the way back to the beginning and even up until now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And that's, I feel like, pretty rare. So I think it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to see how, like, she's has all these different cultural influences and, like, religious influences on her. And to see how that, like, has changed who she is over time is super cool. And also the fact that we can actually, like, track it so directly.
1: Exactly. No, it's so cool. I think it's really, really interesting. So, as I mentioned... Bridget is the inventor of keening, which is defined as the action of wailing in grief for a dead person. Mm -hmm. In the book, Bridget, History, Mystery, and Magic of the Celtic Goddess by Courtney Weber, she describes the invention of keening as a mechanism for coping, much in the same way that Bridget gave humanity the tools of civilization, such as the forge. It's described as a deeply personal and cathartic experience that would move anyone in the room. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned before, like, about keening, like, what's your association with keening?
0: Yeah, so my association with keening, besides it being mentioned, and, and like a short play that I did when I was little um Aww. was <laughs> yeah it was a, it was like a it was, it was a took place in a funeral it was it was f- like funny um anyway um and like s- heartfelt um but anyway so like basically just a lot of like wailing <laughs> like a lot of wailing and just like really complete expression of pure emotion and like just letting it all out which is like so powerful and like Think, I think about whether or not I could do something like that, and it's, like, a very intimidating idea, but I think it would just be, like, so, like, significant and cathartic and freeing. No,
1: yeah, exactly. I think it seems really cathartic and just, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I will admit that when I first heard about Keening, I thought of it as one of those, like, mythological descriptions that seem otherworldly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she couldn't contain her grief, so she invented a new godly way of mourning that inspired the people. But no, it was a real thing that people, like, actually did in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like, people yeah. did it when they were grieving a loved one.
0: Yeah. But I also love the idea of, like, a godly form of grieving that the people do. Like, that's so such an interesting mm-hmm. concept.
1: Yeah. And, uh, in fact, it was so real. Supposedly the Catholic Church banned it in the mid-1800s because of its pagan nature.
0: Meh. Boo.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so lame. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's this really beautiful quote from Bridget: "History, mystery, and magic of the Celtic goddess," which goes, "It's a stretch to call grief a gift, but there is a gift in a method of coping with sorrow, giving voice to our sadness or end pain, be it through a chorus of wails or another cathartic method. So just words on a page It's a type of Bridget work, just like connecting it with like the idea that it's sort of like a gift that she gave to people, like being able to yeah. mourn freely."
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And just like considering, you know, Catholic repression and like not wanting to <laughs> True you know <laughs> burden other people with your emotions. And then the complete opposite of that is keening and just like letting it all go and letting the whole world know how much how upset you are and how much you're grieving It's just yeah. like grieving with like full like abandon and just like letting it
1: overtake you and
0: all yeah. that. Like
1: it seems very freeing
0: if definitely intimidating. Mm -hmm, For sure.
1: We've talked before on this podcast like many times about the transformative Mm -hmm. power of women's grief and Bridget is just another example along with Aries Liefreda, Abba, like Kaneki, and others.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: And it's also really beautiful, like women's tears can be so transformative and revolutionary. Yeah. And it's one of the things she's most associated with, which I think is super interesting.
0: Yeah, like I actually remember like reading about her as being like you know, she's a god of this and this and she's most known for inventing Keening, the Irish like burial like grief practice or whatever and i'm mm-hmm. like being like oh that's so interesting and it's like so shows that it's so significant how significant it is because they have a story about its invention by like a god you know like. exactly
1: and it's like this whole big like myth and like story it's not just like oh she invented it like it's like a whole mm-hmm. thing yeah for sure which shows how important it was mm-hmm. so i asked my irish friend kathy who also helped me with the pronunciation of this episode, so shout out to Kathy, (laughs) what she thought of Bridget. (laughs) And she told me that Irish mythology isn't all that well-known, and that growing up you hear more about the the legends and fairy tales. Mm -hmm. But she told me that St. Bridget is more well-known to her than the goddess Bridget. Which, I mean, makes sense. Yeah. And that basically everyone knows who she is. All she really knew about her was that she was the patron saint of spring, and that her holiday is February 1st, and that you always had to make a St. Bridget's Cross on that day. Which, mm-hmm. um, the St. Bridget's Cross is a small woven cross- it looks different from the Christian cross and consists of four arms tied at the ends with, with a woven square in the middle. And St. Bridget's cross was typically hung over doorways and windows for protection from harm.
0: Awesome. I feel like I've definitely seen those. You probably have. Like, I mean, cr- crosses were also associated with other things in the Celtic world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: The legend says that St. Bridget wove the cross herself when she was at the deathbed of a pagan lord who then requested to be baptized. Hmm. Powerful cross. Wow. It's like the opposite of Le- the Pel- Episode where at the end, oh yeah, they show that Pele is
0: more powerful than the Christian God. It's like the opposite uh-huh. of that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's like so many like deathbed conversion stories. You know, are there? <laughs> I bet. Oh yeah, because yeah, they're like, oh, when I'm dying, I realize that God is the answer, and I want to go to heaven. So I'll, like, please baptize me before I die. Wow,
1: that's what happened you know. with this pagan lord as well <laughs> with Bridget.
0: Well, by his bedside. I hope he found. I hope it was you know. Peaceful and meaningful for him.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of her influence outside of Ireland, Bridget is associated with, with the Vodou Loa, Mama Brigitte. Yes. Both Bridget and Mama Brigitte are healers and protectors, and both are associated with crosses. Okay. Yeah. So, that's pretty interesting.
0: I do remember reading that, but yeah, it's all coming back to me as I listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> also,
1: her name appears in some Welsh place names as Fright. Which actually makes sense considering historical Welsh phonological mutation that turned a bus sound into a fur sound, so it's like thright, bride. Of course, it's connected.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she really is everywhere. She's all. She's like all over the world. Yeah, she's
1: in Haiti. She's in Wales. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's all over Europe. There's all these different versions of her name that have like come out of mm-hmm. her. Like That's so cool. So thank you so much for telling me about her. Um, you know, I always love to hear about Irish mythology. So this yes. is very exciting and very fun. Um, and I had a really great time. So thank you so much, um, everyone else. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. If you did enjoy, please subscribe, leave a review, Follow us on our our socials. Tell all your friends about how much you loved it. And we'll be back here next week with another episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Mytholadies podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mytholadies and visit us on our website at Mytholadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you next week.